0: We are the family of God. Hello. Thank you for listening to the Avenue C.L.C. podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you, and God bless. I won't even I won't even be at a new place in just a moment because I love the Word of God. I love to dig so into the good. Word of God. I love to preach and I, and I love to reach people uh, with the Word of God. Amen. Now this was a very creative, <clears throat> creative uh, uh, series. Um, God and my iPod. I'm an Android man. So, first of all, so I had to get past that offensiveness. Everybody else in my house is, is, is iPhone and I'm Android. The you know? like Bible says, I'm pe- peculiar. Right? Uh, but so, uh, as I thought about the songs that, uh, the list of songs that could possibly be used for such an event, I came up with Adele Rolling in the Deep, and uh, and my wife, she's so creative, and uh, I said, well, this is about unity and love, and uh, I like the Bee Gees, and uh, so <laughs> she she said, how deep is your love? Uh, I don't know. I said, well, are you asking me, or is that a <laughs> <laughs> But I want you to hear this. Uh, I don't it's not going to be very long tonight. Uh, hear the words to the song. Sometimes we hear music and it's so automatic, we get caught up into the rhythm. We get caught up to, into the beat that we sometimes forget the words. And I like the BGS. This song, How Deep Is Your Love, uh, came out in 1977. It was redone by P.J. Morton in 2017. And for some, P.J. Morton was the first time they heard it. But just the first verse of the chorus, it says, I know your eyes in the morning sun. I feel your touch in the pouring rain. And the moment that you wander far from me, I want to feel you in my arms again. And you come to me on a summer breeze. Keep me warm in your love. Then you softly leave. And it's me you need to show. How deep is your love? And of course, that's romantic. It's very romanticized. But the part that got me was the chorus. How deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really mean to learn. Because we're living in a world of fools, breaking us down when they all should let us be. We belong to you and me. And as I pondered over that, I thought that the ambiguity of this, the words, the lyrics of the song can go just as much with our relationship with God than it could a man's relationship with a woman. And because of that, I want to invite you to 1 John uh, chapter 4. And that's what I'll be talking about on tonight. How deep is your love? Um, We're going to read verse 7 through 10. And then we'll get into the lesson tonight. And I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son to the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. One of the things I've learned, particularly in situations, situational context like this, um, and in churches, love is easier to talk about when you're among people who are lovable. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah. As a matter of fact, we can all walk away with a badge of honor pinned to our emotional, our emotional dispositions when we talk about love in a setting and in an atmosphere of people, number one, we're familiar with. Of people number two we know, of people number three we trust, and of people number four that uh, we have history with. Love is easier to talk about uh, when you are among people you trust. It's easier to talk about when you're among familiars. This is the love of the world. The Bible talks about the distinction between the love of God and the love of the world. We can sing kumbaya, and we can sway from side to side, and we can sing together and say kind words, but a love that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And there's only one thing and one way to test love, and the main way that love is tested is when the recipient of love is not the distributor of love. Can you love someone who cannot love you back if you can't, your love is shallow and it's not deep. And just like the Bee Gees ask, how deep is your love? I can go through a host of scriptures that talk about love from Paul's litany of what love is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're very familiar with all of that. But the reality is, without God, there is no concept of love. I, don't, I want us to come with, I want you to come with me so that we can understand why loving is not as easy as as it seems. Number one, everybody does not have the same definition of love. Not even in churches, not even in different fellowships, not even in different congregations with different ethnicities. You got a young man who grew up. He had an uncle who abused him and touched him when his father and mother walked away. The uncle did this to him from the time he was seven years old to the time he was a preteen, 12 years old. And every time that uncle would touch him in ways that made him uncomfortable, and every time his uncle would violate him, he would end that session of violation by saying, you know I love you. There's a little girl somewhere who was abused by her father or abused by another family member, physically. And uh, that father or that mother exercised punishment on that child, on that daughter, in ways that left her with whelps on her skin, left her hiding bruises, and would send her to school. And even in the very intense moments, and immediately following the intense moments of the abuse, where her skin was discolored, that father or that mother would kneel down, wipe her tears away, and say, stop crying, you know mommy loves you. You have a teenager who grows up and meets her first love, puppy love, boyfriend. And uh, she she's happy, she's telling everybody about him, she's showing pictures of him, on the phone, showing Facebook pictures. And, and we got three daughters, and so some of this I have experienced. <laughs> and and that, that young man says to her, Okay, we've been going and dating a while. If you really love me, you'd lay down with me. What's my point? My point is without God, humanistically, before Jesus, what you have are different people congregating together who have a less than perfect definition of love. We cannot know love without knowing God. It doesn't matter how much you thought your parents loved you. At the end of the day, God represents the standard right. of love. Amen. Just like his law, state, represents the standard of righteousness Anything short of the love of God is imperfect. Anything short of the law of God is short of righteousness. And so what God comes in and does is he says, I'm your father. I'm your, I'm the one that's closest to you. I'm the one who you love. I will show you what love is. Because when you have this person and that person and that person coming from their definition of love and coming into a thing like a church. Everybody's going to show love based upon some, the influence of their own experiences. Right. Okay. And so even in culture, you, things that don't look like love and, and don't appear as love in one culture may be love in another culture based upon a less than perfect experience and definition of love. So when this happens and people with different definitions of love come into the same room, and say, let's love one another. It means something different for Scott than it means for JK. Because I I grew up, perhaps I grew up with a suspicious love, a love that you had to earn, a love that just wasn't as vulnerable, and a love that just wasn't as open. And if I don't know you, I don't invest and open myself to, to let you love me, let alone me love you. And maybe you come from a setting where it's just, okay, you start with a hundred and you lose points from there. In other words, you are innocent until proven guilty. And when we come together with our strange definitions and experiential definitions of love, and we come together and we say, let's love one another, what you have is a bunch of people without God. If you took God out of the picture... Trying their best to love based upon the interpretation of their own personal experiences. And if a person felt like, grew up feeling like, any rebuke or anything said or any joke or any gesture or anything that caused somebody to laugh was a sign of of offense and not love, then our very humor among each other. Can trigger off the opposite of love. So it was in every civilization. So God walks in and he declares himself as the standard of love. Know God and you know love. Know God and you know perfect love. Know God and you know deep love. John here, who is the apostle of love, because some of this is psychological. And we say it's, it may be cultural. No. Some of this is psychological. I'm not talking to a group of people who came from the same background as I came from. I'm talking to people with different experiences. And churches are places of covert pain. Yes. Often. Yes. We teach and preach to bring them. Came to the surface so that we can be ducted on and loved on. But a lot of us keep that hidden. So listen to what John says in light of this. <laughs> Let us love one another. Love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Well, what is love, John? I don't know. I, I don't hear the answer yet. He says, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Well, I'm loving the best way I can, John. My dad wasn't affectionate with me, John. So when you come hugging my neck, it makes me feel some kind of way, talking about you love me. The uncle that abused me told me that every time he finished touching me. Do you see this? Do you hear it? Do you feel it? That, that you know you come hugging this uh, sister so-and-so and you know what this goes into our marriages yes this goes into our close relationships and so what god what what john does is he's working his way towards something and everything he says goes to a deeper level of love verse number nine by this the love of god was manifested okay this he's getting deeper to where to where we're trying to be This is how God showed his love. He does not (laughs) say anything about affection. He doesn't say God hugged on us, and I'm not against affection. But what I'm saying is the world takes these other things and redefines love. And when they redefine love, sometimes those of us who bought into the redefinition of love according to the world, bring it to church. Amen. In this day and time, the world is certainly redefining love. Yes. The world is taking everything god defined and redefining it. Amen. It's pretty quiet here. That means you listen. <laughs> you do know that the rainbow was the sign of a promise that God Uh that God wouldn't destroy the world with water. The world takes it and redefines it. Uh, And if we're not careful we'll start buying into the world's definition of love. And whenever we buy into a less than perfect definition of love, we will exercise a less than perfect definition of love and love, guess what? Brings everything to it that's connected to it. In other words, The kind of love you understand to have is the kind of fellowship you will have is the kind of dealings you will have with one another. And so when you get a fellowship that's shallow, it's because there's a love that's shallow because fellowship will never go deeper than love. So he said, here is how it's manifested. Here's how it shows up. Here is how it's expressed. Here is how he showed it. And then John gives and explains a value system. He he shows a value system. And watch watch the value system. Watch how he puts out a value system. He says it was manifested that God has sent His only begotten Son. Well, where's the value system? Number one in biblical times. It was a big deal to have a son. It was such historically a big deal to have a son that if a person did not have a son, they felt almost cursed by God. Right. You remember yeah. Hannah? Mm-hmm. She prayed, but she prayed for a son. Do you remember Jacob and his four wives, two of which were sisters? Mm-hmm. The big deal Uh, And one of the ways that, that, that they were trying to impress Jacob is they would say, I will give him a son, and then he will love me. It was a big deal to have a son. It was such a big deal to have a son in Abraham's day that they decided not to even wait for God to get one. That's a big deal. I mean, that's a roll of the dice, too. I mean Hagar and and Sarah, Abraham and Hagar, I mean I mean they must have knew (laughs) that it would be a boy. I mean to disobey God like that and end up with a girl is a lose lose situation. (laughs) (laughs) For real. The impatience led them to try to take what God was going to give them. To create what God was going to give them anyway. They, what was he after? He was after a son. That's why it was such a big deal when God, watch the value system. When God told Abraham, I want you to take your son. Okay. And it, he didn't just say your son. He said your son, your only son. Where's the value system in that? When you only have one of something, mm. it raises him value. Yes, it does. No? No? If you only have the more scarce a thing is, the more valuable it is. That's right. okay. This is why they don't sell pearls at family dollars. <laughs> <laughs> pearls are too scarce to be sold at family dollars. It's too right. common of a place to sell something so scarce. Not only that, but the fact that it was his begotten. Watch the value system. Right. God gave the one thing, son he had. But it wasn't the one son he had. It wasn't his created son. His created son was Adam. Mm -hmm. The begotten son, his only begotten son, which means, which accounts for why Joseph had nothing to do with Jesus. Why it was the seed of the woman. According to Luke chapter 1, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Joseph had nothing to do with his only begotten son. God takes something that he values and something he has one of, and to manifest and express his love, he takes that one and only thing and gives it to people. Now here's, watch the other value system, who one don't deserve it. That's right. That's right. You want to talk about deep love? Hug somebody that don't deserve to be hugged. <laughs> shake somebody's hand that don't deserve to be shaken. It's easy to shake hands with people who are smiling at you and being nice to you. And this is not anything I don't preach at home. Our love will remain shallow. And when if we do not embrace and endeavor to have the love of God, which is manifest for by the inequity of giving something scarce to people who scarcely deserve it. Yes, sir. Uh, that is the inequity of it, Jack. And guess what? If our love does not descend beneath that point, our ministries will never descend beneath that point. I don't know about here, but we, uh, one of the challenges we have, Scott, in Dallas is getting our folk to stop ministering to us. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We minister to us very good. <laughs> I mean, we are comfortable with us. If you need anything? I'll be right there. <laughs> Do something for somebody you don't know uh. and that looks like they don't deserve it. Or does not deserve it. Romans chapter 5. We know it, for God commended his love in that while we were yet sinners. Look at the imbalance, the inequity of that love. Christ did what? Died for us. The righteous for the unrighteous. How deep is your love? The BG says, the BG say. I really need to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why I really need to learn, Chris, is because we're living in the world of fools. Right now, yeah. now, that's, yeah, right you know, now, that's so deep. I, I'm almost done. But Proverbs, uh, Psalms 14.1, Psalms 53, I mean, Psalms 14.1, the fool says in his heart, There is no God. We are living in a world of fools who do not subscribe to the idea of God. Oh, they describe to the idea of a higher power. You have agnostics that believe in a little bit of everything and and a lot of nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You have people that say, my spirit guide, Dodging, ducking, and weaving the very admission of the existence of God. For well, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And if God is love and you say there is no God, then any love that you produce is self-manufactured. And as self-manufactured love will always be less than perfect. So we live in a world where everybody is peddling and pushing their rendition of love. Manifest. Gave his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Finally, he says, in this is love. Watch this. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us. It was, the love of God is not a response to our, to a stimulus. Mm-hmm. It is not based on reciprocity. I want you to look at a text, go to Matthew chapter 5. Briefly, we're just about done. Matthew chapter 5. Now, am, am I saying, am I preaching this as if I'm, I'm there? No. And I'll tell you why many of us. I don't believe any of us are just there. Because human love is developmental. It is developmental. If we were honest in this place, we love people the more we get to know them. Yeah. Yeah. Which means that's a process of time, and that's a process of interaction. The only person who has a love that is not developmental is God. Which means God doesn't have to get to know us more to love us more. Right? Right he loved us before there wasn't us Right. as a matter of fact it also means that his love is not a response to the stimulus of our obedience he doesn't love us because we're obedient I'd like you to raise your hand if you're obedient all the time to God because i want to drink what you drink and be on the diet you're on I want to follow you home and see what kind of cologne you put on I want to know and your doctor. gatherers do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? That hit me. That hit me. It hit me with the fact that it's very possible that we're patting ourselves on the back for doing what's common to people that don't even know God. For that, All right now, he gave his life for his son. He gave his life. He gave his life for, for the firefighter that was trying to. Fight. That's good. That's good. Very noble. But give your life for the person who's trying to rob you. Yeah. Okay. That was yeah. okay. Come Smile. on now. Yeah. Come on. Okay. And why is this important? Why do I deem mean this important? I'm in Dallas, and right now. Here recently in Dallas, there's, there's been a lot of tension between law enforcement and the community over both of them, John. Uh, and especially in our fellowship. You see. Uh, young man that was killed by a police officer, the police officer thought she was going into her apartment and the action was going into his. Okay. Yep. I'm about to get deep because I don't know if I'm going ever, ever get. I, I may never see you again, so i got to go deep, right? <laughs> so she goes into the apartment. She pulls out a gun and she pulls the trigger. He doesn't survive. They pull out the audio footage of her telling him, hold on, make it worse. She's not making any reference to her. It doesn't sound like she's referred, making reference to his survival as much as she's making reference, this is why how it comes across, as she's making reference to her keeping her or losing her job. Mm. Okay. You add another element onto it. The young man shot was African American. And the cop that shot him was a white cop. And the people of God, us, in a world of fools, who are saying this is reason to hate law enforcement and to hate other ethnic groups.
1: Mm -hmm. We're living
0: in a world of fools, breaking us down. But they all should let us be because we belong to you and me. Through the blood of Christ. So now the challenge of the church is not to jump on board with the world and ride the current that the world takes us in. So what's going on in Dallas and going on in different places is there are unity efforts coming together so that we don't find ourselves being driven by the current of fools into a disposition that looks nothing like God. Come on now. And what it's challenging us to do, both African and American and and Caucasian and and Hispanic, is it's challenging us to go deep into ourselves and to take anything in there that does not look like God and be honest about it and to pull it out and to look at it for how ugly it is, to wipe it away and to let God replace it with love. That's the only way our love is going to go deeper. And when our love goes deeper for one another, only then will our love qualify to go deeper to those outside of the household of God. Amen? Amen? God bless you. I want to end by telling a story about a man had a son, his wife and his son, he had a lake home, and uh, they were having problems at the lake with alligator and crocodile. And uh, so father went to market to buy some food, and mom stayed in the little house they had overlooking the lake. Son went down to the Edge of the lake and got into the water and just flopping around, just having fun, just playing in the water. And mom came out to the porch, and looked out, and took a deep breath and took it in the air. And as she looked into the lake, she saw just beyond her son. She saw. What looked like an alligator. She stepped a little closer and she noticed that it actually was an alligator that was slowly moving toward her son who was just having a good time and frolicking in the water. She starts running and yelling Joel, get out of the water! Junior, come out of the water! He doesn't know what she's saying. He stops. And he says, what? She's running down to the edge. She points, and he looks around behind him, and he sees this alligator creeping up on him. He starts swimming and making his way to the edge of the lake. And Mom is running, and she's going, running fast to the edge of the lake. And she gets to the edge, and she grabs his hand. And just as she grabs his hand, The alligator grabs his leg. She finds herself in a tug-of-war. The alligator is pulling, and she's pulling, and the alligator is pulling, pulling, and she's pulling. And there's a tug-of-war going back and forth, and the water now is beginning to turn red from the blood coming from the bite that the alligator has in his leg. She hits the alligator and snatches him out. She rushes him to the hospital. Dad comes frantically. He walks in the room and he sees Joe laying there in the bed, mom sitting by the bedside, and he notices. He said, Now I heard that you got bit by an alligator, but your bandages are on your leg and your foot. Did the alligator bite you in two places? He said, No. While the alligator was pulling me in, Mom dug in and was pulling me out. He ended up with two sets of wounds wounds from the alligator's lust to have him, and wounds from Mama's love to save him. Yeah. You know what deep love is? Deep love means that I will save you even if saying something wounds your spirit. Mm. It's It's better to have two sets of wounds and be alive than to be consumed. And this is what God does when he sends Jesus. The Bible says he delivers us out of the power of darkness translates us that word delivered means he gets us and sometimes he uses things that happen in society to bring us i love you so much and i want you to trans i want you to carry my love that i will i will allow something that hurts and in that pain that pain that you that 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 That's not pleasant, but it's a pain that's not motivated to destroy you, but a pain that's motivated in love. And God on that cross, when he looked at his son, watch this, he turns away from his own son. Mm -hmm. So his son not only ended Mm -hmm. up with the scars in his hand, but he ended up with the scar that Friday that he couldn't even address his father as father. Instead, he had to say, my God. My God, not Daddy. You said that I am your beloved son and whom you're well pleased. But on this cross, I've got the sins of the world, the sins of Western Hills, the sins of Avenue G, the sins of Mountain View on my shoulder. So if I can't address you as Father, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? Why these wounds? One, I'm going to get you up, son. And two, I love these people that didn't know me so much that I'll let you bear the wounds of love so they don't, they don't have to bear the wounds of death. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, sir. Then God turns to us and he says, love each other with that kind of love. Tonight, you are a recipient of that love. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Are uh, you going to receive it? Or are you, how are you going to respond to it? That's it? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. How are you going to respond to it? He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us, but he's not going to force us to believe no. in us. I'm believing tonight that he is the son of God. May God raise him from the dead for you. Repenting, changing, turning around, confessing Jesus to be the son of God with your lips in your life. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. You can do that one today.